Welcome back to the cast of characters. So this episode is about a galaxy far, far away in Star Wars. But joining me today is my guest, Alex. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is going to just be the first, well, technically the first three movies, but they were made after four, five, and six. But um, we're going to go over like just what the gist of each one is, and then we're going to go over the characters and how they grew from one to three and and what all that jazz and then um we're going to talk about the anakin from good bad and then talk about how the second movie kind of led to the tv show years down the line of um the um, clone warriors and all that so alex so tell us about the first movie wow we're just gonna jump right into it yeah phantom menace all right. Well, yeah, The Phantom Menace, um, you know, excellent film created in 1999, as yeah. a matter of fact. And, you know, th- it's one of those prequel movies in the Star Wars universe that, that gets a lot of hate. You know, many people consider it to be one of the worst uh, movies, maybe arguably one of the worst of the prequels. And we'll touch more on that in a little bit. The eighth one? The, the, well, we'll touch on that <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, but the thing with The Phantom Menace is it really sets the scene uh, for the entire Skywalker saga. I mean, it is the first installment. And the fact that we already know what happens between in four, five, and six, you know, the fact that we know the story of Darth Vader and Luke and everything, makes these prequels so much better and so intriguing for us as fans. It's the origin story, really, for all of our favorite characters. Uh, and so you look at the Phantom Menace. The whole thing—it's funny. The whole thing starts because of a trade dispute. Yeah. You've got this separatist trade federation. Uh, they're blocking trade routes and they're wanting to tax and all this stuff. So they invade Naboo. And, and that's where everything kind of just goes haywire. Uh, you know, they don't do that. Maybe nothing in the Star Wars saga happens. And, that, and that's the biggest thing for me is what a lot of people don't understand is while you look at moments in these movies, good or bad, every little thing that happens in Star Wars contributes to the, in the entire picture. You know, there are some movies where you can go, that part, and, and there are some, <laughs> but you know, that part's not necessary yeah. or that part meant nothing. But I would say for the original six, everything that happened contributes to the overarching story. Yeah. Uh, and so you look at the Phantom Menace again, the whole the whole Trade Federation and, and Naboo, and the Chancellor at the time, Chancellor Valorum, not Chancellor Palpatine, <laughs> sends uh, two Jedi, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, to settle this trade dispute. Of course they don't. They invade Naboo. They have to go and rescue the Queen uh, from Naboo, and they go to Tatooine, and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to go quick through this. They go to Tatooine, where their ship breaks down, and that's where they meet Anakin. Yeah. You know, and and the, the whole funny thing to me about all of this is I saw a meme the other day. It was so you're basically telling me that the entire Skywalker saga, including seven, eight, nine, happened because Qui Gon's ship broke down and they <laughs> just happened to land on Tatooine. And technically, a long story short, yeah, yeah, they don't land there. You don't meet Anakin. Yeah. And Anakin lives his entire life as a as a slave. You know, or. You know, if Qui-Gon had just done his mission and not interacted with the locals, they do that thing. I mean, you look at every little detail that happens on Tatooine there. Uh, they're, they're going through. Jar Jar decides to steal some food from the shop. Sebulba jumps on Jar Jar. Anakin rescues Jar Jar. And because of that, Qui-Gon has to interact with Anakin. And because of that, Anakin invites them back to his house because of the sandstorm. And it's there that Qui-Gon's like, oh, wait a minute, this guy has, you know the highest midichlorian count, which is kind of stupid, but the highest <laughs> midichlorian count that we've ever seen in our lifetime, higher than Master Yoda's, as Obi-Wan said when they tested his blood. 
you know, Jar doesn't steal the food. The ship doesn't break down. Qui-Gon just says, thanks, Anakin, and moves on and doesn't talk. And it's like, we got a mission. Screw off. It, it's over. And, and nothing happens. But, of course, it did. So, and then ultimately, I think the best part about The Phantom Menace for me, honestly, was, uh, and I think for everybody, was that final scene with yeah. Darth Maul. I mean, Darth Maul was one of the, is the maybe best villain in Star Wars history. And you can make an argument for Darth Vader, how awesome he is, how scary he is. But Darth Maul... The first time we've ever seen, at the time, had ever seen a double-bladed lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, the music was excellent. The fight scene was excellent. It was the best, at the time, fight scene we'd ever seen in Star Wars. You know, because, you know, you look at A New Hope. You look at The Empire Strikes Back. You look at Return of the Jedi. The battles between Luke and Vader, those lightsaber battles, they were good. But they were not as fast-paced. They weren't mm-hmm. as physical as the one that we saw between Qui-Gon Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. And... It, it still to, to me to this day is one of my favorite star wars moments ever yeah i feel like they would have done more with darth maul because like you said he's one of the best i feel like if they would have made like fourth one i mean i know the comics and books but if they would have had more stuff with him i feel like star wars would have even been even bigger with him and then you had darth Vader, and then you had kylo ren and then you had chancellor Palpatine on top of that i mean all that well the, the thing that i think george lucas and i don't think he under George Lucas didn't know anything. He was completely... Yeah. Not, 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 not in a bad way. Yeah. He didn't know... What I meant by that was he didn't know how big certain things were going yeah. to be. He was a brilliant mind. I mean, the fact that he thought... He, George Lucas wanted to make the prequels, one, two, and three. He wanted to make those first back in the 70s. The technology wasn't there to make it happen. So he went four, five, and six. And if you watch four, five, and six, there are references in things that he had planned out. Well, I mean, they talk about the Clone Wars and A New Hope. You look at Obi-Wan's robes. His, his robes are still singed in A New Hope. Because back in the 70s, Lucas had planned on, yeah, they're going to fight on a lava planet. Yeah. And that's going to happen. So the detail back in the 70s that played a role into what happened in the late 90s and early 2000s with these prequels was unreal. Uh, it was unbelievable. But circling back to Darth Maul, he didn't know how big he was going to be. I, I don't think he, George Lucas realized how like, people were going to take that, how excited they would be about Darth Maul, how he became a fan favorite. And I think that's part of the reason, and I know we'll touch more on it later, but he came back in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, excellent character arch there but my whole argument would have been if I were George Lucas in episode 2 and 3 the main Sith Lord is Count Dooku you know he was like a 70 year old man yeah powerful yes but why not have Count Dooku be the guy that dies I mean imagine I mean Darth Maul is so powerful so cool so badass that you could have put him in 2 and 3 made him in the movie longer kill him off but I think having him more dialogue and being in the movies a little bit longer, uh, that would have been more impressive for someone to kill him, like Anakin yeah. killing him, than Anakin killing a 70-year-old Count Dooku. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, I, again, I don't think George Lucas thought about. Um, and yes, we got Darth Maul back in the in, in the Clone Wars, and at the end of the day, we still got one of the best fight scenes in Star Wars history in the uh, in the throne room at Naboo, and I'm, yeah. I'm still happy with that. <laughs> so with the Attack of the Clones with... Um... I'm pretty sure it was them cloning um, Jenga Fett to be like the face of all the um, guards with um, Cody and like all them. Why do you think they chose like Jenga Fett and tell us about what the whole movie is about? Yeah, well, the reason they, I mean, it's a good question. I don't think anybody ever uh, breaks breaks down the details of why Jenga Fett was the model. Uh, Jenga Fett was a very elite bounty hunter. I think he kind of had this connection or this tie-in with the. Kaminoans, mm-hmm. the, the guys that lived on Camino, the, the cloning facility. He had this connection with them. Obviously, his blood, uh, his genes were excellent. He was a fighter. He was a hunter. Uh, and to create an army, 
those are the type of people you want. You want guys that are going to be tough, physical, uh, aggressive, and those are what the clones were. Uh, that's what. So that he was he was a great base model for that, and uh, I, I really think that there's really no necessarily a backstory, which is kind of like a, almost maybe even a deal almost. And you got to keep in mind that Jango Fett was employed by the Separatists. He was yeah. employed by Count Dooku and Darth Sidious to take out Padme, to take out Queen Amidala, yeah. and kind of do that. So it also might have been a thing where it was like, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take you. You know, we want you there because Palpatine was pulling the strength from everybody. Yeah. Found this bounty hunter, do this job for me. At the same time, we want you to be the base for the clone. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that's true, but those arguments there. But the overlying story with Attack of the Clones is. Yes, someone had tried to assassinate Padme, who was not the queen anymore. Yeah. That's I think that's a key point. She wasn't queen of Naboo anymore. She's more of a senator, but she was still a big senator yeah. because they were going to make some crucial vote, um, and they wanted to get rid of her. They failed, and you know, we once saved her from that, but they realized that Padme was not safe because they tried to kill her multiple times yeah. and kept failing. So they sent Anakin off to protect her on Naboo. She goes to some meetings there, meets with her people, protect her, that's where they kind of start to fall in love a little bit, while Obi-Wan is sent to go find out who the heck's trying to do this. Who's <laughs> yeah. pulling the strengths on trying to kill Padme? And throughout the midst of the movie, you go back and forth between Obi-Wan's journey to Kamino, learning about a clone army, and I think that's one of the coolest moments that gets overlooked so much. Is Obi-Wan walks in, and they go, we've been waiting for a Jedi to come here. And he's so confused. He didn't even know Kamino existed. And they said, well, you're here for your army. You're here to pick up your clone army. Would you like to see them? And Obi-Wan, I think it's so funny, he goes, yep, that's why I'm here. Like, obviously, he, he, he wasn't. Yeah. He didn't know. But, you know, they, they pull in the card of Sifo-Dyas. You know, your old master, Sifo-Dyas, ordered these clones. He wanted this to happen. And Obi-Wan's like, he's been dead forever. Yeah. yeah that, that didn't happen. And they're like, oh, we're sorry to hear that, but hey, we still got millions of clones for you. You <laughs> want them or not? Yeah. And so he takes them. And, and I think that should have been a red flag for me. I think for Yoda went out there and was just like, yep, we're going to take the clones. Everyone's like, yep, clones. No one's going to, no one did any research on that. Why did Sifo Diaz go order so many clones? Why had we never heard of Kamino? Why was there a bounty hunter living on Kamino? We're, we're, we're modeling clones off of a bounty hunter. And no one asked any questions. They were just like, hey, the only way we can win this war is if we have uh, basically expendable soldiers yeah. just like battle droids were. And those two went out in the Clone Wars. Um, so it was back and forth between Anakin and Padme's love affair, pretty much. The, you know, do I love her? Or does she love me? Does she not love me? Are we going to be together? Are we not? Anakin's mom dies. And that's where we really start to see Anakin's turn to the yeah. dark side as he's conflicted with his feelings for Padme. Because, of course, Jedi aren't supposed to marry. Yeah. And then you have the part where his mother dies and he kind of goes berserk on the Tusken Raiders. And he kills <laughs> not just the men... But the women and the children too, which has quickly become a, a meme as well. Yeah. And that was where you really start to see his turn to the dark side, and that's part of the reason why Anakin should never have been trained in the first place. Yeah. He was nine years old, and if you take a Jedi at too old of an age, their connection to their family or someone that they love, uh, and just their mind is more developed than if you just start breeding them as a Jedi as a baby. That uh, that those connections are there, and your hate can lead to anger, or you know all that stuff anger leads yeah. to hate hate leads to suffering you know so that's the that's the kind of overarching story there and then at the end they have the giant Jedi battle Obi-Wan's captured by Jango Fett Anakin Padme same deal they realize there's a giant droid army they try to kill him why Count Dooku and Jango Fett didn't just kill him why they wanted monsters to go kill him in an arena 
I don't know, just made for an appealing story, made for an appealing uh, scene. Uh, yeah. That's by far my favorite scene. Anakin and Obi-Wan battle Dooku, and maybe the best part of the movie was when Yoda walked in. We talked about how in episode one, we saw the best lightsaber fight to date at, at the, at the yeah. time between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon. Well, remember, if you watched episode five and six, if you were a guy that grew up in the 80s and you watched Yoda, he was this crazy, senile Jedi. He was very powerful, yeah. very smart, but we never saw his lightsaber. We never saw him move very quick. Well, now he comes in episode two, hobbles in there to fight Count Dooku, and next thing you know, he's jumping off the walls, literally jumping yeah. off the walls, fighting Count Dooku. And I think that caught a lot of people off guard. And that was a really, really cool moment because Obi-Wan and Yoda in the original trilogy were old. Yeah. They didn't have the moves and the skills uh-huh. that they used to. But we know that at one point in time, when they were in their prime, they did. And so we got to see that in action. I think that was really cool. Well, with, like, the Clone Wars and through the, all the movies, you can kind of see how um, Qui-Gon Jinn teaches Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's kind of a, I'm not going to listen to you. I can do it my own way. And then he gets Anakin and teaches Anakin. And Anakin's the exact same way as Obi-Wan. I don't need you. I can do whatever I want. And they kind of butt heads a lot, kind of like how Obi-Wan did. And then Anakin... Butts head with Darth Sidious and all them. So why do you like think like Obi Wan is like how do I say not the most popular one, but like the one that all the movies are kind of focused on after Anakin and all them. Well, I think because the yes, it's the Skywalker saga. Anakin, Darth Vader has always been the the main point. Yeah, it's his story, but. How did he become that way, and who was his best friend? I mean, yeah. it's Obi Wan. He was Anakin didn't have a dad. Uh-uh. He never had a dad. I mean, that was that was clear. So someone, you know, was going to be that father figure for him. And I think had Qui Gon not died, it would have been Qui Gon. Yeah. But when he passed away, or when he was killed by Darth Maul, <laughs> it was it was Obi Wan's job to train him. And Obi Wan did that because Qui Gon was so adamant about it. And again, Yoda and them had their doubts. Yoda and them should have put their foot down. Qui Gon wasn't a master. Obi-Wan wasn't a master. The council said, no, we are not training him. Sucks to suck. Send him back to Tatooine or whatever. Let him live here, but you're not not training to be a Jedi. But they caved. Yoda's like, I sense much fear. I sense so much danger, but we'll we'll risk it. We'll we'll give it a shot. Like, come on. What what is that? Yeah. Um, But again, you you, you have your doubts. I mean, he didn't really know. It was very clouded. But with Obi-Wan, again, he was the guy that was around Anakin the most. From the time that Qui-Gon died to the time that Anakin became Darth Vader, Obi-Wan was around him almost 24-7. He trained him. He, he fought in battle with him. And I think that's why Obi-Wan was focused on so much. And again, I think he was focused on a lot because he was the first Jedi we saw in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. He not only mentored Anakin, but he mentored Luke. Luke would not be near the Jedi that he was uh, had it not been for Obi-Wan. You know, And Obi-Wan kind of watched over him for 20 years on Tatooine for... Uh, to protect him, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I think that's the reason they focus on him so much, and I, and I like that parallel that you mentioned with you know Obi Wan and Qui Gon kind of butted heads, yeah. Anakin and Obi Wan kind of butted heads. Uh, there was a scene in Episode One where you know Qui Gon he's so adamant about uh, about Anakin being trained, and Obi Wan kind of steps up to him. He stands up. He's like, Master, listen, you're going up against the Council again. When are you going to learn? Stop it. If they're saying no, just leave it alone. And Qui Gon kind of snaps back at him. And right before their battle against Darth Maul, Obi-Wan goes up to him and is like, you know, I apologize. I was a little out of place. I should have known my place. Uh, I trust your judgment. And Qui-Gon just kind of laughs it off. He goes, you know, you're, you've become an excellent Jedi Knight. I'm so proud of you. Then naturally, he mm-hmm. dies. Well, in Episode 3, it's a very similar situation. Anakin kind of butts heads with Obi-Wan. Yeah. 
kind of goes up against him. I think it's when they asked uh, Anakin to spy on the Chancellor. He got mad at Obi-Wan about that. Obi-Wan was like, look, it's out of my control. It's a council's decision. We're at war. We have to be done. And when Obi-Wan is about to leave to go to Utapal to take on General Grievous, they're walking along the ship, and Anakin says, you know, I'm sorry. I may have overstepped. You know, you've been a great master, and I haven't been entirely grateful. And Obi-Wan says, yeah. hey, you are, you know, young. You're wise. You've become a greater Jedi than I could possibly ever hope to be. I've taught you everything I know, and you are exceeding. Basically, like, you're great, you're good. Yeah. Just like Qui-Gon did. And what happened? What's the two parallels? Right after those conversations, Qui-Gon died. Right after that conversation, that was the last time that Anakin and Obi-Wan saw each other before their fight on Mustafar. Qui-Gon died, and in a way, Anakin died right after that. And you can't help but feel for Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's one of the characters I feel the worst for. I yeah. feel bad for Anakin. He lost everybody. Yeah. I mean, you, he lost his master. He lost his brother, really, and yeah. Anakin. If you watch The Clone Wars, he lost his lover and Satine. He, he lost everything. And and yet was still just And then he, the Anakin kills him and later on in the movies. In, in episode four, yeah. and, and Obi-Wan allowed that to happen. Yeah. Obi-Wan could Obi-Wan could have won. Yeah. We know that. Obi-Wan could have won that battle, but he, he sacrificed himself. Yeah. Um and, and, and it was very beautiful. <laughs> so in the Clone Wars like T V show that was on Disney, um, so there's I think there's seven seasons of them. It kinda shows the um bonding between Obi Wan and Anakin and then Anakin actually gets um, ah, ah, Ahsoka on like to train Ahsoka and everything, but like episodes, uh, season seven, the, it wasn't the best season, but the last four episodes of of that when Ahsoka has her white lightsaber, and she's gone off. I think those are the four best scenes in Star Wars, period. And, but with it showing like General Grievous, it's showing um, I can't think of their names. Uh, Darth Maul coming back sure. and like his brother and stuff. Like, why do you think? they didn't make the show back then like they did with like Batman and Robin like the Adam West stuff why do you not think they didn't make a show about that to fill in the gap between the movies like after the third one they didn't make the the first one till 1999 but they made them in the 70s why do you not think they like did like a Clone Wars series yeah after episode six yeah like to lead up to all that well, I think I think part of it is kind of like we mentioned earlier. I don't I don't think George Lucas had the technology. For yeah. That. If you watch the prequel trilogy one, two, and three, George Lucas went crazy with the green <laughs> yeah. screen. He went crazy with the graphics because he had that technology. Uh, yeah. Something that he did. In, in a way, I don't blame him. Star Wars is so aesthetically pleasing. The planets, the colors, uh, the lighting, everything is so good. So yes, if you have a bunch of computer generated stuff, you have a bunch of green screen. Okay, whatever. It is what it is. I don't, I don't think. That when when uh, Return of the Jedi came out, and that would have been eighty three, if I'm not mistaken, nineteen eighty three, they didn't have the technology to do a, a Clone Wars yeah. type series, and it wouldn't have made sense for that to happen because you needed that backstory. Yeah, you know, I think you, the Clone Wars happened took place all between episodes two and three. So if you do a Clone Wars series and you've got a grown up, you know, middle, <laughs> you know, twenty year old Anakin and a twenty year old Obi Wan, everybody's gonna be like, whoa, 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 wh- what is their backstory? And that's why I think episode one was so important. It laid the foundation. Episode two was so important. You saw the introduction of the clones. Mm-hmm. You saw the introduction of the Separatist army. And then everything that happened in between. I mean, the clone, Yoda said it at the end of episode two. Begun the Clone Wars has. <laughs> yeah. That's what he says at the end of two. And we get to see, you know, probably, I think there's probably a span of three or four years of Clone Wars battles uh, in, in Star Wars time. Probably about three or four years of their fighting. And then the events of episode three take place. So... 
with Chancellor Pavelteen being the bad guy, but kind of playing both sides in the first two movies, and he really shows his colors in the third one. Why do you, like, Yoda and, like, Mace Windu kind of like, oh, he's bad, he's bad, but we can't really tell. Why do you not think they ever, like, pressured him, like, tell us, tell us, or try to do something about it before the before Mace Windu goes up and, you know, what happens? Well, you know, the reason Mace Windu went up is because Anakin found out. Yeah. Palpatine knew exactly what he was doing. If you watched episode one, I just watched it recently, <laughs> but he, he meets Anakin for the first time or, or sees him after he's elected chancellor and he kind of pats Anakin on the shoulder and says something along the lines of, and we will be monitoring your success with with great interest or something yeah. like that. And that was basically like, I've got my eye on you. I know who you are <laughs> and the powers that you're going to possess. And when the time comes, I'm going to take you. I'm going to turn you to the dark side. Like I mean, he basically said it right there and no one really noticed yeah. it. So in Anakin, so what what happened in episode three, you know he's getting very close to Chancellor. The Chancellor's trying to breed him. He, Come to the opera with me. Come to this with me. Meet with me. I want you to be my personal assistant. That's basically what he did. Yeah. So he gets him close, earns his trust, and then Palpatine drops that bombshell on him. He's like, "Yep, I'm the Sith Lord," right there in front of Anakin, and Anakin flips out. He's like, "You're the Sith Lord we've been looking for. I'm gonna kill you right now." And he's like, "Oh, I know you would. I know you'd love to kill me." <laughs> he's like. But if you do, you can't save your wife. And I know you've been having those bad dreams. And, you know, what if your wife dies? What are you going to do then? I'm the only one that can save her. Yeah. Which he couldn't. He knew that. Yeah. He manipulated him. And that's why Mace Windu went up there. So, long story short, Palpatine was so powerful with the dark side of the Force that he was able to cloud the judgment and cloud the vision of even the most powerful Jedi, which would probably be Yoda. Yeah, they may have had those feelings that Palpatine was doing something wrong. But there was, I mean, it was like a just cause. You had No one had a just cause to go do anything to Palpatine until he did something that said, hey, he is a Sith Lord, or he just flat out said it. And he did. Anakin told Windu, and Windu and a group of Jedi went up there, and half the Jedi went down like that because they were piddled. It, it, it was horrible, horrible. I mean, come on, you're telling me it's like 5v1, five Jedi Masters versus Darth Sidious, and Palpatine goes up there, does a corkscrew 180 spin, and stabs three of them through the gut. Kit Fisto gets maybe two good swings in, then he dies, and just like that, it's 1v1. I mean, I guess in a way, George Lucas was like, that's going to show him how powerful he really is. Yeah. But I think that was almost stupid. <laughs> five Jedi Masters. If anything, that just shows how weak the council was. For real. So, yeah. But, so, episode three is probably one of the better, like, top three of all, of all the movies together. So, what do you, like, what's your opinion on episode three with the final fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan, what I think is probably the best scene of all of Star Wars because it really shows um, the transformation of Anakin and shows how much love that Obi-Wan actually had for Anakin. And then it shows how the rest of the movies future down the line are going to turn out. Yeah, I agree that episode three is the best of the prequels. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I would probably even put it in there as my one of the top three Star Wars movies for me. Yeah. I... I Episode 5 is my favorite, but Episode 3 is probably second or third on my list. And I, I do agree that that last scene on Mustafar between Anakin and Obi-Wan, that last battle is probably the best battle, I think, in Star Wars history. And I don't know how that can be disputed. I, I look, Darth Maul was fantastic, but really, if you're looking for the best two lightsaber battles, it's that, Darth Maul or Anakin and Obi-Wan yeah. and Mustafar. And it was unreal. The music's amazing. The scenery's amazing. And I think the weight of the situation is what makes that so special. It was... Obi-Wan Obi-Wan versus Anakin. It was two guys that we have grown up watching, even if you watch the Clone Wars, that were the heroes of the galaxy. 
And now one of them is still good, and one of them has turned, and, and, and his fate has been sealed as Darth Vader. Uh, and it, it's just absolutely horrible, horrible. And when you really think about Star Wars as a whole, and Episode Three especially, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tragedy. It starts off so not happy, but it starts off, you know, like, oh, this is cool, this is cool. And then when Anakin turns, you know, he murders. I mean, commits mm-hmm. like mass genocide, wipes out the <laughs> Jedi. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget. And they say, Anakin's the chosen one. Doesn't that mean he's going to be balanced to the Force? Doesn't that mean he's going to be balanced to the Force? And, and everybody thinks balanced to the Force is, you know, like, good amount of dark, good amount of light, or the, he's the chosen one. Chosen one doesn't always mean good. In a way, Anakin did bring balance to the Force. Because by killing all the Jedi, he left two Sith, mm-hmm. himself, Insidious, and two Jedi. Obi-Wan and Yoda. Two and two. There's balance. Yeah. Not the way anybody envisioned it, but that was balance. Yeah. And I still think that lightsaber battle really is just the weight of it all. It is heartbreaking. And here in Obi-Wan kind of gives a little monologue, you know, crying out to Anakin after he's chopped off his legs and arm, you know. <laughs> well, you know, which he had to do. Yeah. Let's imagine that. I mean, he, Obi-Wan had no choice. Anakin was going to try to kill him. Obi-Wan had no choice. And, and you he heard Obi-Wan say that. He was like, I can't do this, Yoda. It's like, send me to go fight the Chancellor. You go take Anakin because he's like my brother. I can't physically yeah. do that. And I always wonder what would have happened if that had happened. What if Yoda had been like, I understand. Obi-Wan, you go fight Palpatine. I'll go fight Anakin. Like, the weight would have been different, wouldn't have had that, that connection, yeah. uh, that, that strong emotion there. But I do wonder, would things have turned out differently? Could Obi-Wan have taken Sidious? And if he had failed, could could Yoda have killed Anakin? And in that case, Sidious is screwed. So, it, you, I think either way, they probably win. If, if Obi-Wan or Yoda wins, it's over. And I think Obi-Wan had thought he had won. Yeah. He didn't want to fully kill Anakin. So, but he thought, God, he's burned alive, <laughs> limbless. There's no way he's going to live this. Yeah. At least I don't have to watch him die. And little do we know he's going to turn into a bionic. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, the one thing, though, like, in me, like yes, Palpatine had a little, like, a little push to Anakin to turn him bad, but I really think it was just a conflict inside of him, him with all the pressure that the Jedis gave Anakin. Because you can see in the fight that Anakin's saying stuff, like, he loves Obi-Wan and doesn't want to kill him, but he feels like he has to to like prove the point. And then even in the 4, 5, and 6, you can see when he's with Luke, he's like, Luke's far away from him, but he's looking at him like, I can't do this. And then you then um, when Luke fights the Chancellor in the movies, he's like, take my helmet off. I really want to see you in my own eyes. It really shows that it's just a conflict inside of him that really turns him bad, and it's not the outside. Yeah, Anakin... It was always a conflict for him. He he had the again the strong feelings towards his mom, and having her die at the hands of Tusken Raiders, he watched her die. Tried to go save her, couldn't do it. That that bothered him a lot, and I and I think it bothered him from the start. As soon as Qui Gon was like, "Hey, I'm taking you, I'm freeing <laughs> yeah. you, but I can't free your mom," it immediately bothered him. Uh, again, I don't know if Anakin would have turned bad had he been like, "Yeah, I'm freeing both of you, Miss Miss Skywalker, come on, let's go." You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I don't think that would have. Uh, I don't think he would have turned then. But it was the fact of the emotions with his mom, the love that he had for Padme. At the beginning of three, we find out that Padme's pregnant, yeah. obviously with Luke and Leia, and so he knows he's about to be a dad. He knows he's trying to keep it secret, and so he's got this this again internal battle, like you mentioned, of of pressure from the Jedi because he's trying to keep his love a secret. Yeah. It's also this hatred for the Jedi too, though, because what Palpatine did was brilliant. The Jedi go up there and they say, Anakin, you're on the Council. But we do not grant you the rank of master, which is stupid. Which is stupid. How, and Anakin's right. How can you be on the council and not be a master? 
no one explains. They're just like, take a seat. You know, and it's like, okay, like, what is that? So he gets angry. He knows that he's powerful. He knows that he's talented. He knows he's done so much for the Republic, and they're going to disrespect him like that. Uh, and I think part of the reason they did that was because they could sense that that fear and emotions in him. So there's that. Palpatine's over there stroking his ego. Yeah. Anakin, you are powerful. You are so powerful. You're better. I think you're better than Yoda. I think you're better than this guy. You're you're great. You've become a great warrior, and you're gonna be my personal assistant, and you're gonna be great. You know, he's basically telling him how good he is. And Anakin from the Jedi are hearing, "You're not good enough." And that bothers him, and then he's having these dreams of Padme, of dying, constantly. And he wants to find a way to save her because he's afraid he's going to lose her in childbirth. And that would have definitely sent him over the, the edge. And Palpatine's like, if you work with me, I can teach... Because he, he brings him to that opera and he says, you know, Darth Plagueis, he had the power to save people yeah. from dying. Just, as, like, just like yeah. that. And he's like, can I learn this? Not from a Jedi. You came from the Sith. You came yeah. from the dark side. You're looking at him. I can save it. But my favorite line, I talk about this with my family all the time. After Anakin becomes Darth Vader, after he kills Mace Windu or allows Mace Windu to die, you know he kneels before Palpatine and he goes. Palpatine says, "Together we can find out how to save your wife," and that contradicts everything that Palpatine said prior to that. Yeah, it was never, "Hey, I'll try to figure this out." It was, "I know how. You work with me. I can save her." And then he goes, "Together, I believe we can figure out how to." So basically, Anakin should have shot up and go, "Whoa, hold on. You said." You knew. Now you're saying you don't know, and we're gonna have to figure it out together. That kind of, that changed everything. But by that point, he was so far gone. And I think you're right. I think he he realized like after he after he committed treason pretty much to Mace Windu, it was I've got to do anything I can to save Padme. And that's really the reason he turned to the dark yeah. side. It was I'm doing what it takes to save Padme. Now, why in his right mind he thought that would be like attractive to Padme? Like, hey, hey, babe, I, I, you're gonna stay alive. We're gonna have two kids. We're gonna stay alive, but. I've murdered all the Jedi. I've also <laughs> murdered about 25 younglings in cold blood. To save you, though. It's all for you. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Uh, but that, that, that it was this internal struggle, but and then Palpatine pulling the strings on him, too. And one of the saddest scenes to me is when Padme's laying there, and Obi-Wan's actually there taking care of Luke and Leia when they were just born. And how they filmed that really like shows that Obi-Wan really loved Anakin and he would have done anything for him and now that he's taking care of his kids it really shows the bond that they're going to have for the future movies and everything well I don't even know it was so much of him taking care of the kids as it was you know they knew what was happening they knew yeah. Padme the, the biggest thing was Padme was pregnant and we knew that Anakin was the father <laughs> yeah which means that Padme's kids were going to have force abilities yeah they knew that and so they were like we've got to protect them because if we allow Luke and Leia to get into the wrong hands if Anakin finds out if he if he didn't know, he thought Padme was originally thought she was still alive. Palpatine says she died, which she did. So in theory, they thought the kids would have died. They didn't. So they take these kids into hiding with their force abilities. If Palpatine gets a hold of them. If they knew, they would have been on the hunt for years trying yeah. to find those kids. They get them, they breed them to the dark side because they know no better. And yeah. now you've got Vader, Palpatine, Luke, Leia all on the dark side, and everybody, and you got old Obi Wan and old Yoda <laughs> that can't fight against them. They don't stand a chance. So. That was the right. It wasn't that Obi Wan was like, "I'm here to support Anakin." It was, "I'm here because we've got to get these kids and we've got to get them saved." And that's why Leia goes with Bail Organa to Alderaan. Uh, they they take them. Alderaan's this very peaceful planet, uh, and, and she kind of grows up with them. And they send Luke to the only only legitimate family he has, which is Owen and Beru, which had the slight connection to 
uh, to Anakin, his, his, his uncle, his aunt yeah. and uncle. So they take him there, and Obi-Wan stays at a far distance. He and, he and Owen worked out this almost agreement. It's like, you're going to stay here. You know, I'm going to give you Luke. And Owen's like, and you're going to go as far away as possible. I don't want you popping in all the time, meeting Luke, hanging out with Luke. Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I know. I'm just going to go and watch over him. So if Vader were to show up or some evil force were to show up, I can come and stop it because Lord knows you can't. Yeah. And uh, and that was kind of the whole thing. And, and, the, and when the time came, they all knew it. When the time came, they'd get Luke, they'd get Leia, and they'd train them. And that's, that's how 4, 5, and 6 get going. So. Yeah. So in order... Out of the first three, what ones are your favorite? And like, what's your favorite scene out of all three of them? Uh, if I had to rank them in, in order, I would say three would probably be my favorite. Probably three, one, two would be my favorite in, in, of the prequels. Episode three, your favorite's got to be the final battle yeah. of Anakin Obi Wan, and then they on on occasion transition to Yoda and Palpatine fighting mm-hmm. too, which is kind of cool. Uh, that's by far my favorite scene. Everything about it. Episode one, Darth Maul naturally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just sick. And any time Darth Maul's on the screen, it's epic. Yeah. There was a brief scene with Qui-Gon on Tatooine um, where, the, where they fight each other in the sand. We don't get to see the double blade, though. Brilliant oh, yeah. by George Lucas not to divulge that information to us yeah. until later. Uh, so the music, again, fantastic. The scenery, fantastic. The weight of that scene, fantastic. So that's by far my favorite with episode one. And then episode two, you know, <laughs> I hate to say there aren't many good scenes <laughs> uh, because lightsaber battles are great. I... Episode 2 is growing on me. The more and more I watch it, the more and more I actually appreciate the music, the more I appreciate the scenery, and I appreciate the importance of Episode 2 into creating the entire story. Episode 2 had to happen for Star Wars to happen. Even though it was probably the worst of the prequels, and many would say it's one of the worst Star Wars movies ever made, it had to happen. And I would say that my favorite scene and all that might be just the entire time that Obi-Wan spent on Kamino. Yeah. I think that scenery was fantastic. I think the music was amazing. Uh, and just kind of hearing the... I, I say that in the finale. The finale where they're playing the music, Yoda, Mace Windu, and Anakin are all in the Jedi Temple, <laughs> and the sun's setting. Yeah. And they walk out onto the balcony, and you see the army of clones. And they're playing the Vader theme song. I think those are probably my top two scenes. Jedi battle's cool, where they're all in this giant arena fighting with each other. That's cool to see all the Jedi show up and work together. But I think Camino and, and the finale are, are epic. I think um, for me, it's pretty much the same scene with Anakin and um, Obi Wan when they're fighting. Just the love that they have for each other really shows that. Even though Han- and like two and when Anakin's starting to go bad, it really shows that he doesn't give a rat's butt about anybody. <laughs> but it really shows that he does. He's like yelling like I don't want to do it, but like I have to. The second one is probably kind of. I, mean, I thought it was kind of cool when. Um, they showed Jenga and, like, all the clones that were eating. Like, they all looked alike. And everything. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I really like that part. And then when Jango is getting in the ship and flying off with his son and everything, and everyone puts the little, like, tracker thingy on him to see yes. where he goes. I think that's one of the cool parts. And the first one is actually the pod racing with Anakin. And it, like, really shows Anakin's, like, pilot-like self because he's one of the best at piling the ships and everything. It really shows his, like, love for what flying and everything and it also like shows his passion for something that he loves and that kind of shows from the first one his love for pod racing and everything shows his love to Padme about the end of three that's kind of what the whole gist of Star Wars is is his love towards what he cares about and sure, everything sure yeah I mean in a way you're you're not entirely wrong he's very passionate about certain things and he, he his love for Padme is is ultimately what what turned him to the dark side and in a poetic way his love for his kid was what turned him back to the light. 
you know, and at the end of episode six, I know we'll talk about that yeah. at a later date, but he he loved Luke, saw what was happening to Luke, and was like, you know what? That's my kid. And they were still good in him. You know, Luke said that. I sense that they're still good in you. And he was. Vader was more very conflicted in six compared to he was in four and five. Yeah. So the love for the love for Luke and what he knew was Leia ultimately I think was the reason that he threw Palpatine down the <laughs> shaft and, and uh, yes he ultimately died but he almost redeemed himself in a way yeah does that make up for the 25 kids that he murdered I don't know but <laughs> we'll, we'll say it does yeah well thank you for being here today hey Will thanks for having me I'll yeah. always come on to talk Star Wars well this so for episode 3 which we're gonna um, do next week it'll be about 4, 5, and 6 in Star Wars which is when everybody talks about Star Wars, is what they talk about with the Han Solos, the Chewbaccas, the the Luke's and the Leia's. It just really shows the story from what the first three put forward is for what four, five, and six is. Well, I hope y'all tune in next week.